630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Everly starts with a rush down the right wing. A shot off the pads of Bachman. The rebound, Lucic. Fed Nugent up gets back door. And a hat trick for Jordan Everly. The second of his NHL career. And Edmonton's pouring it on here at Rogers. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, a lot of happy moments in the past season for your Edmonton Oilers, but of course only one team out of 30 gets the ultimate happy ending. And that will not be the boys in orange and blue. Stymied last night in Anaheim, losing 2-1 in Game 7 to the Ducks, who advanced to play the Nashville Predators in the West Final. East Final, Ottawa-Pittsburgh will have all the Conference Final and Stanley Cup Final games for you right here on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is Inside Sports. The Oilers flying back from Anaheim today. They'll have the locker cleanup and a final media availability with players tomorrow. So tune into Oilers Now and Inside Sports for more on that. This show about you, I'm happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I'm happy to hear your thoughts on the season. I was listening to some of uh, Brendan Ulrich, who was filling in today for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. And it's kind of funny, near the end of the show, it uh, became... Uh, some of you telling uh, some fans that they were being too negative and some of you telling uh, some fans that they were being too positive. Let's just establish here, folks. My theory is that if your team doesn't win the championship, you always will talk about how they could have got at least one step further. That doesn't necessarily mean negativity. It doesn't mean criticism isn't allowed. And I think on this show we want to have a balance. I think most people are happy with a lot of the things the Oilers achieved. Uh, but it's okay to call in and say, what if this happened? What could have this happened? Uh, I mean, I, th- I definitely think uh, there's a lot to be positive about. And, hey, that series was there to win against the Anaheim Ducks. So there's nothing wrong with talking about why it uh, it didn't happen. I think we can definitely uh, achieve some good conversation along those lines. Um, but I will I will make this request. You call in, say whatever you want. Give me Give me your favorite highlight from the season, though. I mean, they did win 47 games and then seven more playoff games. And there were some pretty cool moments. They had the leading scorer in the league, had one of the best goalies in the league, so I'm happy to hear from it. Before I get to the calls, though, I really like this comment from Todd McClellan after last night's loss. We didn't come into the playoffs just to play. We came in to win. I think our team played that way. It prepared that way. It battled that way. Um, so the overall feeling right now is, is one of disappointment. We couldn't quite get it done. Uh, when you remove that and you look at the big picture our, our entree into the playoffs uh, was about as good as we could ask uh, the type of teams that we played the series that we played in the ups and the downs um, we basically got a college degree in, in a month when it comes to playoffs and uh, that experience for us moving forward is going to be very uh, very very helpful I look around the room when, when we were uh, done and we had a minute or two together and uh, the amount of bumps and bruises and uh, scrapes and ice bags and uh, 
you know, just scrawny, bony-looking players is a good sign for us. Um, it wasn't long ago that we talked about just coming into these buildings during the regular season and trying to survive, and now we can push and, and uh, you know, compete with these teams. So we're going the right direction. Uh, we've done a lot of really good things, uh, gained a lot of experience. Um, you know, and I'm not even going to talk about the future yet because we're still absorbing this right now, but... Uh, too bad we couldn't get one more goal. Well, I thought those were some pretty astute comments from Todd McClellan. He says, we didn't just come into the playoffs for a participation ribbon. They had the attitude that they could win, that they could go deep. Obviously, a couple of goals short last night. And that's a good point. Going into buildings where in previous years, like several years, they were just trying to survive and now able to win games in those buildings and create nervous moments for their opponents. Certainly uh, some long overdue progress for the team, and I think Todd McClellan has been a, a big part of that. 780-496-0063, we'll kick it off with Jared tonight. Jared, great to hear from you. Hi, Reed. I just got a few comments on the season and last night's game. It just First off, it was a great season, and... Uh, uh, with Connor McDavid, there's been a little bit, a few comments that he maybe he didn't produce and he didn't play as well as he should have. But for me, I found he was much more competitive, intense, and like tougher and grittier than I ever thought. And he exceeded what I thought he was going to do in the playoffs. And uh, I think that uh, Leon Dreisaitl as well, I never expected this season from him and Cam Talbot. So there's a lot of uh, great stuff from those players i would say my concern was and i think it kind of encapsulates my my general concerns for the oilers is is when anaheim's defense started to mobilize in that second and third period and they were carrying the puck quite a bit more versus just uh like a one a quick outlet pass the oilers really had trouble getting on them with the four check so guys like Lucic, Maroon, Latestu, DeHarnay, and Eberle, and even Dreisaitl to a certain degree couldn't get on them. And so you think about a team like Washington, who is a great regular season team, St. Louis, San Jose in the past, and what got them there, that heavy team, is actually what holds them back in the playoffs. So you got to think a team like Pittsburgh with all their speed and beat up in the playoffs, they were still able to advance past Washington. So a guy has to think is, is this a trend? of the way the NHL is going towards speed, or is the game actually evolving into that? So a guy like Shirley in the offseason, does he add a guy like Dan Boyle, a bigger forward? Or does he say, well, maybe we have to go with more speed up front, mm-hmm. but the toughness is what got you there. Yeah. But will that get you you know, past a team like Nashville? And even St. Louis is a much different team. They're not a very big physical team anymore. They got rid of a lot of their players, but... I think that the teams like Washington, they're at a real fork in the road because they could be first overall again next year, but there's no guarantee they're going to make it past Pittsburgh. Well, I think you make some good points there, Jared. Uh, I, Brian Boyle, I assume you meant. I've made that same mistake. So Dan don't... Boyle, I call him, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I called him that a couple weeks ago. He would be good, too. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's almost as old as me, but yeah, he was still pretty good till his last season. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I will say this, Jared. I, I don't think size is ever going to go out of style in pro sports. Uh, hockey, especially you know, hockey, football. 
basketball, almost every team has a dominant center. I, I don't think size is ever going to go out of style. But you're right. I, I mean, you know, Maroon and Lucic's foot speed, you know, wasn't that great. Anaheim's mobile defense did give the Oilers problems. And, I mean, the Oilers basically didn't have the puck in the second period. So, yeah, I wonder now if Shirelli rounds out the roster, if, uh, you know, I think the size guys are in place. Um, that you know, some guys that are probably going to be here for a while. Do you try to add a bigger body with some mobility? I mean, Martin Hansel is going to be out there, right? Now, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be one of the top free agents available. Who knows if he'll be interested in Edmonton? But you make a fair point, and some people said that earlier in the season, Jared. Did Shirelli go too far in terms of the size? Well, ultimately, it didn't hurt them in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they're quicker, do they beat Anaheim? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it was still but a pretty fine that, margin. But I think when Anaheim started to dominate, it showed the the Achilles heel of the Oilers to a certain degree. And even though it was one bounce, you could see that if Anaheim would have played that way more consistently during the series, it could have given the the Oilers more problems. But with Peter Shirelli, I mean, he's done such a tremendous job. It's very hard to criticize anything he's done. And I find him kind of an interesting guy because he makes those unexpected moves. And even last night when I listened to the show, I found it interesting about how the callers from New Jersey and Philadelphia saw the Taylor Hall trade completely reversed from how we saw it. And that, uh, you know, everyone's got their own perceptions on the players. And just one other question, where do you think Tyler Pitlick, if at all, is going to fit into the Oilers' plans next year? I think he'll have a chance to play on the third or fourth line. I don't think he'll be protected, but, I mean, he's going to have to earn it. I mean, Slepeshev stepped up. Kajula stepped up. I think they like Kara, or Kara probably more than they like Pitlick. So, yeah, yeah we'll see. I mean, I, th- I don't think he's a lock to be on the team. Unfortunately, the injury derailed him. Yeah, that's true. And then maybe they're going to be a little bit gun-shy putting in that much time with him. And then if he gets hurt again then yeah. you're kind of, you've wasted that whole half season of development when you could have maybe put it towards another player, right? Jared, it's always great to hear from you, buddy. Hope we'll talk again soon. Okay, Reed, have a good evening. That's Jared, 780-496-0063. We also have Patrick on the line. Full board of calls. Everybody's getting in, but I'll go to Patrick right now. Hey, how you doing? Great, great show. Thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I don't know about having Lucic on there at the end of the game after he was kind of a passenger on the Richie goal there. Uh, I don't want to nitpick or anything like that, but uh, I, I would have wanted to see uh, Nugent Hopkins out there, and I'm wondering what uh, what that says about the former, you know, first overall pick to not be out at the uh, critical moment like that. I, well, um, I think I think fair question, and yeah, Lucic had a tough moment on that goal for sure. Basically, what they did was they they put out the first power play unit and they added Maroon. Yeah, that's fair enough, I guess, and that's kind of by the book, but. Uh, I would have liked to see, uh, you know, even even Everly for for as little as he did, um, you know, maybe I'm just holding on to that World Junior goal or two that he scored, but uh, I would have liked to see him get a chance. But I don't want to be all sour, you know. I wanted to actually call in and just say, uh, you know, my favorite moment from the year uh, was right at the end of the season when we played the Ducks and we beat them 3-2 in OT there. Nice. Um, I was telling my wife all game, she hadn't watched any, any games, and I was telling her, uh, you know, this dry cycle, he's the... You know, everybody talks about McDavid, but Drysaddle is is right up there. And she goes, oh, I don't know who he is. And then when he scored that goal with McDavid in OT, um, that was just a fantastic moment. I think if they can keep those two guys together, or at least on the team, you know, 
her. That, that's our Kane Taves. That's our Zetterberg Dazduk. Well, for sure. Yeah, you know, we need yeah. those two guys, and, and we'll be okay down the road. Yeah, and Patrick, great call. And I don't, I don't think you're being sour. I mean, to me, those are the details that make it interesting, and I'd sooner talk about uh, that than you know the Oilers draft lottery position. I mean, you know, that's that that that's a fair question for sure. Uh, we got everybody on hold. You're coming in. I got to take a quick timeout. It is six seventeen. It's Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Got a goal tonight on the slapper. Fell down, and here come the Oilers. 2-on-1 to win it. McDavid in from the left-hand side. Dry side awaits. There's the centering pass. Left timer score! Caller mentioned that is his favorite moment from the season. We'll be playing some highlights throughout the show. Unfortunately, the Oilers' season is done. We're taking a look back and looking ahead to the summer and next year as well inside Sports Night. Like I said, I'll pretty much leave the floor open to you. Anything you uh, you want to bring up, uh, if, you, if you have a favorite moment from the past year, I would love to hear that as well. Fred is on line four. Hi, Fred. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Good to hear from you. I listen to probably about 70% of your show because of life. I have to be away sometimes. At the beginning of the year, you always have guests, and you yourself give forecasts on how the Oilers will do. I remember the discussion at the beginning of the year, will they make the playoffs? I don't recall any of your pundits saying, oh, you'll make it to the second round, and it'll be a game seven. And I, I don't know what I could say as a favorite moment other than it's a bunch of favorite moments. I watched a city come alive. I watched people buying tickets and enjoying the game at, at Rexall. I, you, it, what an experience. Maroon scoring his goal in front of his child. I mean, wow. I, I'm basking in what has happened. I look forward to next year. It's just given us a taste of what's to come. What an exciting ride. Man, summer is going to be uh, too short. It's going to happen again, and I can't wait. What a fantastic year. That's all I can say. Take my hat off to him. Nobody guessed it. Nobody predicted this. Right on, Fred. We appreciate it. Well, I certainly didn't predict it. I mean, I, I thought they'd be better. It wasn't hard to be better than 29th. I think I said 38 wins. But, yeah, the Oilers got to, I mean, they got to 47 wins. They finished eighth overall. I think even without the decade of darkness, that's a pretty respectable season. And as we've seen with, with Nashville's proven it, Ottawa's proven it, just get into the tournament. And, and you know, I know I, I saw some stuff online today from people outside of Edmonton, national media people. I think one was a guy working in the States writing, you know, did the Oilers miss an opportunity to, 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 to maybe win the Stanley Cup? I mean, that that's how close it is. It, it, Nashville's a good team. Are they unbeatable? No. I, I, I mean, the Oilers were... They played a good team, but look how close they were to beating Anaheim. Two games going to overtime. The Oilers blew a 3-0 lead late in the game that would have given them control of the series. Last night, down 2-1, Connor McDavid has a couple chances in tight. I mean, it, it's close. It it's just comes down to playing the right way at the right time. 
comes down to a little bit of execution. We have Gord on line three. Hi, Gord. Hi, Gord. Hello. Hi, Gord. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you, Reed. It's uh, always a pleasure to listen to your excuse me, your opinions, and I really respect them. You're a middle-of-the-road guy. Uh, I uh, don't have the hockey terms that uh, everybody else has. I am a complete. I, uh, I would, the comment I would like to make is, I, first, I would like to say thank you very much to the Oilers. Hell of a good team to, to watch them come in, the young fellas like that, and get as far as they did. They did really well, and uh, very, very proud of them. Uh, what I'd like to say is... Uh, I, I think that the team, the league, has to do something about cross-checking and banging our our, our best athletes, our best, like the Crosbys and the McDavid. Like, uh, you can't hurt these guys. Them guys are getting away with the damn stick work on the back and, you know, wrestling around with them. And that's fine. To, it's, a, it's a tough game. I know that. But it's... Uh, you don't have to have that stick work that's going to hurt a good athlete because we have a lot of good athletes coming in the picture now, and it's it's really fun to watch. It's speed and good passing and uh, teamwork, and uh, it's just exceptional to watch. But uh, I don't like that dirty crap. You know, it'd be better to go around the alley and fight somebody like that rather than have to do that to a good uh, rising star. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, I do also believe that some of these big guys it's fine to have big fellas up there and they have their place but they're also pretty muscle bound when it comes into real close quarters uh i don't know if you want to understand what i'm saying but uh, sometimes it's good to have someone a little more loose and quick and fast and, like drake kajula yeah i exactly and I, and I do have a soft spot for Eberly. i think that guy's got the best, some of the best eye hand coordination to sometimes he would have got that that puck pass back to him like when he finds openings I know it's tough but it's uh, I think he's still good, good at his place and uh, they played a real I thought they played really well last night Gord thanks for calling buddy I really appreciate and, it yeah and I always enjoy listening to your show thanks thanks a lot Reed. well thank you Gord that's Gord Landon and Rob are the next two guys up I think Landon wants to talk about Jordan Eberle so that'll be interesting and I, I, I think that Hopefully they address some of the video replay issues in the offseason. And I don't mind hard physical hockey, but I think he made a good point. I mean, could you just not say if you cross-check a guy behind the play, you get a penalty? I mean, take some of that out of it. 627, Inside Sports on Chad. More of your calls when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Indecisive at this point, but now dishing back for David DeArnay. He'll swing it to the corner for Drysaddle, back in front of DeArnay. Well, a few people requesting that one on the text line. Be playing some highlights from the season throughout the show. Game 5, DeHarnay, the winner over the Sharks. A couple of texts to 630-630. Mike says, 
The uh, series loss would be so much easier to take if those two blown calls wouldn't have been made. I thought Lucic was horrible last night, and that contract is harder to swallow than Everly's, but congrats to the Oilers on a great season. That's from Mike. And Kevin from Stoney says, if you took cross-checking behind the play or after the whistle out of the game, then what would Ryan Getzlaff do? Unreal, he gave Nuge three or four after the whistle last night without a call. That is Kevin from Stoney. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Ched. 780-496-0063. We have Landon on the line. Landon, I'm surprised it took over half an hour for someone to want to talk about Jordan Everly, but I think that's your topic, so go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions uh, sure. about the uh, upcoming expansion draft coming up here because that's uh, not too far away now. Absolutely. Um, uh, generally, I wanted to see if you had a possible surprise pick for the Oilers to uh, be protected going into it. And then more specifically, I wanted your opinion on uh, whether or not you think Eberly will be protected or not come the uh, expansion draft. I still think that he will because I think if Peter Shirelli decides to part ways with Jordan Eberle, I, I still believe why wouldn't you try to get something in return? You know, and and I, I understand the criticism to Eberle because I've leveled it myself at times, but I think you know he's still a guy that can produce. I mean, he was the Oilers' third leading scorer this season. You know, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, so now he did not have a good playoff. Clearly, um, he he didn't. Not only did he not score, he, he he didn't always check very well. I do think he had some good games, but I mean, overall, you needed more out of him. It's interesting with Everly Landon because this everybody thought this was going to be a big year for him for two reasons. They thought he was going to be on Connor McDavid's right wing, right? Right. And they thought he was going to be on the same power play as Connor McDavid, perhaps shooting on his off wing. He lost one job to Leon Dreisaitl. He lost the other job to Mark Letestu. So even though he wound up with a decent point total, um, he didn't take advantage of the opportunities that were given to him, and then he kind of didn't re- redeem his season in the playoffs. Having said that, if you take 51 points out of your lineup, you better darn well put someone in there who can produce at a close rate. So I, I, that's why I'd be reluctant to leave him exposed. No, that makes sense. And I find it interesting that you bring up his play on the playoffs because uh, throughout the entire time watching him on the line with Nugent Hopkins and Lucic, I always thought, especially in the series with San Jose, they were the line that most of the time was gaining momentum. They weren't able to get a lot of points unless it was on Lucic's part. And Nuge had his chances, and I really feel Eberle did too. But I, those two, Nuge and Ebbs, just couldn't get it going, and I was really disappointed to see that, especially seeing how they had played. Well, I, I, here's the thing. I, I thought Nugent Hopkins now, and I'm going to have Drew Remenda on the show in, in a while here, and he once told me, because we were talking about players once before practice. This was a couple of years ago when the team was obviously really bad. And I said, well, this guy, he looks like he's trying real hard. And Drew finally looked at me and said, quit saying that. It's not a try league. It's a results league. So I'm a little torn with Nuge because I thought he did play pretty hard. He got uh, 33. Where's my list here? 33 shots on goal, tied for second on the team. He had three or four plays that easily could have gone in, um, but ultimately they didn't. 
But as Rob and I, Rob raised the question last night, did Everly have a scoring chance, a good scoring chance on his forehand in seven games against Anaheim? I don't think he did. No, I got to agree, agree with you there. Any scoring chances off of that line would have come from Nuge or Lucic. And actually, Pouliot had a decent last couple of games, quite frankly, that, and he was true, much too. maligned. So I, I don't know. I just I, I understand that maybe this maybe this is the time Everly moves on. I know Jim Matheson wrote that piece a couple days ago where he said he looked like Justin Schultz during his final couple months in Edmonton where he just looked rattled and didn't want the puck on his stick. I mean, I didn't get that sense for Everly that he really had that alpha male mentality out there, you know, that we've seen him have at other points in his career. So right. I, I don't know. May, maybe he's one of those guys where a change of scenery is gonna is gonna be better. But it, but it, but this is the tough thing, Landon. Two months from now, I might be doing a show where we're talking about a Jordan Everly trade, and people are gonna be mad about the return because everybody thought Everly could have been traded for Adam Larson, and I think now we know that wasn't possible, right? Right. So what do you actually? I wouldn't leave him unprotected and risk losing him for nothing, but you're probably getting either another overplayed player in return or some kind of a depth slash younger player back. I don't know how. I don't know whether other combination works. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Thank you for having me on, Reed. I appreciate it. Landon, thank you for calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Uh, Cal says, howdy, Reed. This is on the text line. I would like to give a big shout-out to the Edmonton Oilers for a great season and an awesome playoff run. It was uh, great to see the fans in the city so pumped up. We have something special here to look forward to for a long time. Already looking forward to next season. Uh, This texter says, uh, Alexander Ovechkin will lead the Vegas Golden Knights to the playoffs with Everly as his line mate. Ooh, there's a bold prediction. (laughs) That's a uh, fun text there. This texter says, the stuff Getzlaff and Ketzler got away with in that series was a disgrace. Add to that the two blown goalie interference calls, and I think something needs to change with officiating in the NHL. The uh, two officials involved in Game 5 in Anaheim one of them has moved on to the next round. The other one has not. Chris Rooney has moved on. Francois St. Laurent has not been picked for the conference finals. And uh, St. Laurent was more involved in that call. So anyway, Rob is on the line. Hi, Rob. Hey, Reed. How are you? Doing quite well. Uh, long-time listener, season ticket holder. I am going through some withdrawal. <laughs> oh, sorry, buddy. Um, but just a couple things. One thing is... Uh, I'm going to switch it up from uh, everybody uh, getting on uh, Everly's case. I'm going to ask you about Eric Griba. It just seemed last night watching the game that he just wasn't engaged or just felt out of place. And I'm not sure why um, the coach put him in, but it just seemed like he blew his assignment there on the first goal. And I know he's, he's an unrestricted free agent next year, so do you think he's going to stick around? Probably not. I think they'll try to find a, a player... For, to be a seven-eight defenseman who's maybe a, a little quicker or might have a little more uh, offensive defense d- dimension. I mean, easier said than done when you're looking at players who are going to be lower in the lineup. I think they went with Griba over Reinhardt for two reasons: because of the lefty-righty uh, combination with the pairings, and also be, just because of the experience. Griba being older than Reinhardt, and and maybe the physicality as well. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a reason Griber was the seven eight guy most of the year, and I, and, I, and they they also had Mark Fain, but. They they haven't thought Mark Fain has been good enough to be a regular defenseman for the last year and a half, so I don't think they were going to throw him in in an elimination game. That's that's all I can tell you there, I think. Okay, and then just uh, with Cam Talbot being a UFA in, in 1920, uh, what do you, do you... And I think he's getting paid about four two about four point two million now. Yep, you're correct. Do you, do you, yeah, do you think he, with the cap space that we have at 15.3, do you think he's going to end up getting paid more? Well, if he has another two good years, yeah, they'll have to pay him more. If he's yeah. like he was a top six goalie in the NHL this season. Yeah, I totally agree. So I'm and sure, and Shirelli referred to that contract as a bridge contract, so he thinks he can obviously play well into his thirties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think you um, pay? Now we'll see what the cap goes up to. It's supposed to go up to seventy five, right? Yeah. And my favorite moment before I let you go uh, when. Uh, the big rig there got interviewed, and he was uh, tearing up about his son. That that for me, I think, really showed the true spirit of a of a hockey player. Like you can you can be a big physical guy, you can show your presence, but people got to remember we're all human beings, and and to show that softer side, I think that uh, that that's the epitome of a true hockey player, right there. Yeah, that was a cool moment, Rob. Thanks a lot for calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll also go to Rocket. Hey, Rocket, good to hear from you. Hey, Reed, how you doing? Doing quite well. Well, it took me 24 hours to process all of this, but I'm starting to come around now. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it was uh, absolutely a tremendous year for starters, and uh, I, I want to thank all of you guys and, and Bob and Jack for um, sending chills down my spine throughout the year with his uh, play-by-play calls, and I always love Bob's uh, brutal honesty when it comes to... Uh, state in his mind i always appreciate that and you and rob of course and uh you know, i think um I, I think we have a good core group of players that that i think the organization is really surprised about um Kajula, you know um cliff Bob's emergence as a as a as a top player um latestu cassian i mean the list goes on and on and on and on and on and then you have your star players, you know, who are being compared to Gretz and Mess and, you know, whatever other top pairings are out there in the NHL. And and then you have uh, guys that have been around like uh, Nugent Hopkins, Eberle, and and then you have your big guys, the big rig, and, and, uh, and Milan Lucic. And you know what I think as far as Eberle is concerned, do you – do you you have some time? I think I know. I, I don't know what the salary cap is gonna. How much pressure that's gonna put on trading him? But I think if there if that pressure wasn't there, you might want to hang on and wait and see until next year and see how he goes. You know, like see how his summer goes. Just kind of wanted your thoughts on that. Well, that's the decision Shirelli will have to make, right? Is he uh, is he a player who had a down year, or is or or was this what we saw from him? Uh, I know a lot of people have texted it and said, "Is is Jordan Eberle a Peter Shirelli type of player?" And I I would probably say no because Shirelli tends to favor guys who can really check, who can consistently get in there on the puck and cause a little bit of damage physically. Um. I, I mean, I think 
I don't know. Like, like I said to the earlier caller, I, I think you have to protect them. Yes, the Oilers could... Pot- I, I don't think they'll have any cap issues this year, but then when McDavid's contract kicks in the following season, it's going to be a big one. Then, yeah, you could, you could use that $6 million worth of space. So do you trade them for a prospect? And here's another, here, but here's another problem. If, to trade him, would you have to retain some of his salary? Two. So you're paying the player that you get, and then you're still paying part of his salary. That's going to be, I think that's going to be the big decision for Shirelli in the offseason, is what happens with Everly, who takes his spot, because I personally think it's premature to say, yes, he Pugliarvi comes up and is automatically a, a 51, you know, 50 to 60 point player. That, that's a tough call, but I can't deny the fact Everly's playoff performance uh, was underwhelming, and it certainly puts his future with the team in question. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Frank and Allen up next inside sports on Chet. Leon dry settle down the middle. Rishon score. McDavid backhands it toward the empty net and score. Thank you, Oilers. From your fans at Oilers Radio six thirty, Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Just a quick scoreboard update here for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call or you can visit crystalglass.ca. San Antonio leading Houston 50-32 in the second quarter. San Antonio trying to close out that series in the National Basketball Association. Baseball tonight, the Blue Jays up 6-2 on the Mariners after 5. Canadian Mackenzie Hughes tied for the lead after the first round of the Players' Championship in Florida. He's 5-under along with William McGirt. Conference finals start tomorrow in the NHL. Who do we have tomorrow? Anaheim home to Nashville, 7 o'clock face-off. We will have it for you on 6.30 Chet. Some text to 6.30, HSC says, I think you cut Everly loose in the expansion draft. To try and trade him, you're going to have to bring on another bad contract or some other thing that's going to handcuff you moving forward. All the other players who were criticized, like Lucic, Nugent Hopkins, and Pouliot, at least showed glimpses in the playoffs. Everly didn't, and he didn't even seem like he wanted to. That's what's been wrong with the team for 10 years. Time to move on. That is from HSC. Well, another texture says, keep Everly, give him a season to increase his stock, and then trade him before Connor's payday. Ted from the park says, Reed, my favorite moment this season was the season sweep of Calgary, especially the opening night victory at Rogers Place. Do you think Russell stays? And if not, do you think uh, who do you think they go after to replace him? Ted, uh, as of today, my opinion would be that Chris Russell will stay. Now, he is an unrestricted free agent, though, so uh, he'll have some say in that. Frank is on line one. Hello, Frank. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing quite well. Um, I'm just curious about Eberle. What did you think of this? Um, Jordan Eberle for a Vander Kane. Do you think that makes sense? Jordan Eberle for a Vander Kane. Given a Vander Kane's uh, history... If you I... look at a guy like Cassian, um, he, he turned it around here. Uh, yes. Different sort of issues, though, I think. I don't know if I would directly compare attitude with, you know, substance problems. Yeah. Uh, what do we got for Kane? He's 25. What did he have this season? Well, he had 28 goals this season. No, he plays left side, though, right? 
Oh, yeah, I thought he was a right shot. My bad. No, he shoots. He shoots left. I, I, you know what? Off the top of my head, Frank, I don't know his contract, but I can I think check. He's a UFA at the end of the year. Kane's already next. a UFA. Or no, next after year. next year. Yeah. And he man, he's his cap hit is five point two five. I'm not a. I, I think Evander Kane's a good hockey player. I'm not sure if I'm a, be a fan on bringing him into this particular group. I guess that's where I would come down. All right, fair enough. Thanks for having me on, Reed. No, good to talk to you, Frank. We also have Alan on the line. Hi, Alan. Hello. Go ahead. How's it going today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, I just wanted to say uh, congratulations to the Edmonton Oilers and congratulations to 630 Chet on a great broadcast. And uh, I also wanted to ask you, uh, everybody's been talking about this, and I don't agree with it, but uh, everyone say, uh, let's put a go all in on do you agree with that or disagree with that? Because I think I disagree because the contract would probably be a little bit too large of a pay. I like Oshie as a player. Um, I think he works hard. He can score. I'm just going to double check exactly what he make, made, made last season. He's 30. He just made 4.2 million. So you could probably afford them. Uh, I'd be earning a more of a. Here's here's the thing. Contract. Here's the thing. If I'm going after a forward, Allen, I'm going after Martin Hansel. Sorry. Uh, if if I'm going after a forward, I'm going after Martin Hansel. Oh okay. And why would you say that? Because he's because he can win faceoffs. That's true. <laughs> that's that, that's my short answer. Yeah, that, yeah, I can understand that for sure. Like, uh, I don't know. And about the Chris Russell thing, I think they'll re-sign him to like a three-year deal. Do you think so? Uh, I think he might get four. I think I, I honestly think Russell might wind up getting four times four. And I know there are some people who wouldn't like that, but, you know, guy going into his 30s who I, I think proved his worth during the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I think here's the thing about Russell – you get pretty much the same thing every night. And given where the Oilers have been defensively in the previous 10 years, that means a lot to this team. I agree. We didn't really have that. Alan, thanks a lot for calling. 780-496-0063. We'll have more open line time later on in the show. You can keep texting 630-630. A lot of text tonight, everybody. If I don't read yours uh, directly... I apologize. I think I'm addressing some of the themes that are, are coming in, though. So I do appreciate that. We're going to bring in Drew Remenda. I know there are a couple things some of you guys touched on that I want to get to uh, back to in the last half hour of the show. And for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I did have Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, on the TV for the last hour. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll, you'll know what that meant. Back after the news. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.